you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of The Fade Route with DNZ. I am Z, and we hope that you've had a wonderful week, and we know that it's been kind of crazy in the world, and we use this as a diversion, and we use it as a platform for distraction, to put some smiles on people's faces, and... One thing we've been waiting for is some movement in Major League Baseball, and positive or negative, and we've had a mixed bag so far this week. Let's pay a little homage and respect to the late, great Los Angeles Dodgers manager, Tommy Lasorda, who passed away today at the age of 93, multiple-time World Series champion, Hall of Famer, multiple-time manager of the year, larger-than-life personality really brought himself to his job and really really went above and beyond in that role, making himself one of the great characters in the game. And while that happened today, we also had a little bit of positive movement in Major League Baseball. The New York Mets working out a big trade with the Cleveland Indians. Well, whatever they're going to be called. The Cleveland Indians, for now, acquiring both all-star shortstop Francisco Lindor and Cookie Carrasco, solid number four starter for this team, in exchange for Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, and two prospects. So, flip a coin, Cleveland. Choose whichever shortstop you want. And uh, move the other guy to second, do whatever you need to do. But a huge move for Steve Cohen, Jared Porter, Sandy Alderson, and the rest of the Mets front office. And they've been linked to Chicago Cubs third baseman slash outfielder Chris Bryant. And as a Met fan, I could not be happier with the Carrasco and Lindor move. And I don't want any part of Chris Bryant if I am the New York Mets. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes. The last QB in St. John's history. Flight crew through and through. What's up, D? How's it going, man? Hey, you know, uh, 2021 is off to a rough start. <laughs> oh. You know, losing Tommy Lasorda. Thought we left this shit back in 2020, man. Two-time World Series champion, two-time NL Manager of the Year, number retired by the Dodgers, has a great rapport with players, uh, bringing players up through the draft. I think he was one of, I think Mike Piazza is a distant cousin of his, told the Dodgers to draft him in the 62nd round. Guy winds up being a Hall of Famer. I think he also played a part in the the, uh, USA team 
for a couple of years. Um, he wasn't much of a player, but man, what a manager! What a what a what a inspiration to so many players in Major League Baseball, and you know, to live a life like that. I mean, he lived to 93. I mean, he's very lucky, very fortunate. But man, what an impact he left on the game. And to talk more about your Mets, uh, you know, I, you know, you could see this guy's coming in. He's spending money. He's not afraid. He's gonna show, like, you know, this isn't gonna be the same old Met team. Um, you know, I can see how people are optimistic about the trade. I mean, Lindor uh, led all shortstops and home runs, extra base hits, and I think total bases the last like, four or five years. Um, Since 2015, he is statistically ranked the number one best shortstop. So yeah, that's huge. Uh, Since his rookie year, third in slugging percentage, I think. I mean, it's it's a big deal. And and unlike you, I actually, I mean, I'm a I'm a Chris Bryant fan. I, I I love the guy. I think he's a phenomenal player. Yeah, he gets hurt a lot, but you know what? They got to compete in this division. This could be arguably the best division in in Major League Baseball this year with the Phillies, the Braves, and the Marlins. I mean, the Marlins made a run at the end of the year with nobody. Like, they're picking people off off the street. Hey, you want to play baseball? You want to play baseball? Go on down to the park and play baseball. You just got to pass the COVID test. That's it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen this bite the Mets in the ass before, right? So, uh, um, I hope that they can compete at a high level. I mean, DeGrom is arguably one of the best. He's probably arguably the best pitcher or second or third best pitcher in Major League Baseball. Syndergaard's coming back. They have your favorite player, Strowman. Uh. So, <laughs> so you, you have to be optimistic. Um, Absolutely. I think, this, I think the Cespedes thing is over, right? He's gone. Oh, he's, he's gone. Out. He's gone, yeah. Yeah, so that that's a that's good. That's good. You know, you usually the Yankees are the ones owning the back, you know, the back page. True. And now the Mets are. So let's see where it goes. Absolutely. We got to see where it goes. But, you know, to, to your point about Yoan Cespedes, this is, you know, the last time they made a significant trade. I'm not counting Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano because that was a that was a trade just to shift around finances. And it ended up being, you know, a net zero in terms of performance. But the last mm-hmm. time they threw their chips in, they acquired Joanna Cespedes, and it took them to the World Series. I'm not saying that Francisco Lindor is the linchpin of a World Series team, but he's a switch hitter. He's a plus defensive player, and the Mets have struggled defensively, particularly from shortstop. Up the middle has been difficult for them to field a competitive team and to bring in somebody of Francisco Lindor's caliber without giving up that much. I know I've texted a bunch of Met fans, like most of my Met fan friends, they're a little wary about trading Jimenez. You know what? 118 at bats. I am, you know, that's fine. Like I'm okay. And if Lindor, who is in the prime of his career, He's not 37. He's 27. So if he plays the back of his baseball card, you're going to say, Andres, who? And, and I'm fine with that. P- provided uh, they can extend him. Provi- that's right. important. You know? and, that was, and that was kind of the thing that we were talking about, you know, when this deal first went down. I was like, wait a minute. He, he still has one year left. 
is he signing an extension? Like, do they have some kind of agreement here? Because think about it. If you're him, right? If you're him, you're going to light it up this year. And why would you sign an extension with the New York Mets? I mean, that's just me. I mean, listen, I, I could be completely wrong. But if I'm him and I am everything you just said you are, like play the back of your baseball card. I'm the best shortstop in the league. I'm arguably one of the top 10 players in the league. Why would I sign with the Mets, especially if someone else can give me more money or give me a better situation? That's and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying if I'm the Mets, I got to know that I made this deal that he's going to sign this extension because if he doesn't, this is a disaster. We talked about it, I think, last uh, episode or two episodes ago. Listen, you trade prospects for talent now 90 to 100% of the time. You can see it in the history of baseball and the history of football. You trade talent for for prospects. I mean, you trade prospects for talent, you go in places. But if that talent doesn't stay, <laughs> that's going to be a problem. And the throw-in – Carlos Carrasco is not even a throw-in. This guy is like got a career average four ERA. Mm-hmm. I mean, he pitched to a three ERA last year in twelve games. He's he's gonna be a very impactful player. And the the sad part for Cleveland is it's just they just couldn't afford these guys, right? I mean, it's a money thing. It, they love they love Lindor. Yeah. He's a fantastic player. They can't even keep their freaking name right now. Like, they're, they're, I mean, so everybody in Major League Baseball, everybody in hockey, which we're going to talk about later, they're trying to figure out, like, how are we supposed to make money if we don't put people in the stands? Exactly. Like, and if, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the Cincinnati Reds, but they've had a fire sale. They cut Archie Bradley. They traded Rysel Iglesias. They're, you know, they're, they're dropping salary left and right because sure. COVID has hit them hard. And that's the thing. To your to your question, would he stay? If I'm Francisco Lindor and I'm presented with a billionaire who has shown that he wants to that he wants to invest, depending on the deal, I mean, if it's if it's a good enough deal and he'll take care of me, absolutely. Because I'm walking into free agency next year, another year of COVID uncertainty. So we don't know what's going on. We, we don't know when fans will be in, if it's 10%, if it's 15%, if it's 0%. We don't know. So we don't know how owners are going to recoup that money. And I'm walking into a free agent class of shortstops, including Trevor Story, Javi Baez, and then Nolan Arenado is a free agent. So our team's going to be spending. So yeah, but Yeah, you could – yeah, you could say that, but remember, I'm the best shortstop. I'm the best shortstop. Hands down. You, I'm the best shortstop out of all those guys you just mentioned. Who's going to get me? You're going to come talk to me before you talk to any of those guys. And like you said, spending could be a problem, but what happens this year if they come in last? Or what if they come in third? What if the injury bug? What if DeGrom tears up his elbow? Well, I'm thinking I'm thinking twice now. It's not a locked-in deal. So that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I again, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate. I was just surprised that this was made and an extension isn't the kicker here. Because if there's no extension, 
by the middle of the year, you wouldn't wouldn't you be nervous? I would be nervous, but I could also see what I can get for him. That's the thing. So I'm because you're only locked in and depends on the position you're in. If you're in third place and DeGrom is out for the year and you're going nowhere, you might be able to get something back for your investment and you still keep Carrasco. So it's not a total loss. So you might be able to, to flip them if there's a situation that occurs where the entire thing blows up. But well, that's the thing. But we're, we're putting the cart before the horse. They haven't even played a game yet. We don't no, know. No, of course, if, of you course. You don't even know if the agent, you know, you got to think that Sandy Alderson and Jared Porter and Steve Cohen have at least, you know, talked to the agent in conjunction with the Indians just to be and, on the safe side. And the player. But one thing is for sure is the Mets next year are complete, are competing for a World Series. They're making all the moves to do that for the next five to six years. It's time for the fade-in where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. Now, one team that caught a lot of heat last weekend for not competing to win the last game of the year was the Philadelphia Eagles, who took out their starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts, in the fourth quarter to put in Nate Sudfeld, who proceeded to throw or turn over the ball twice in his possessions and turn over the game. So you are a Giants fan. Your Giants missed the playoffs because Philly decided that they didn't want to play the end of the fourth quarter. Do you have a problem with them tanking for the number six pick or just not winning that game? The New York Giants didn't handle their business. So I, as a Giant fan, I'm not upset because they had every opportunity during the season to make sure that they had everything lined up so that it didn't need to go down this way. As far as Doug Peterson, fuck you, Doug. (laughs) That's it and that's all. If I'm Jalen Hurt, I mean, if we are to believe what we hear – Defensive players wanted to fight their coach on the sideline because he put he took out Jalen Hurts and he put in Nate Sudfeld. But it was going down sideways before that. It was a fourth and goal down by three. Why are you not kicking the field goal? Jake Elliott is one of the best kickers in the league. Instead, you go for that mealy mouth bullshit fourth down rollout where Jalen Hurts trips over his own two feet and pulls a Donovan McNabb with a two hopper. So, yeah, you know, well here, I mean, well, it's like, it's like he's contradicting himself, right? It's like, you're going for it on fourth down, but then at the end of the game, you're taking out your starting quarterback to put in Nate Sudfeld. So I I agree with you in the sense that the giants have no gripe, like shut up. You should have handled your business. Don't worry about what the Eagles are doing. You really want to stick your chest out a 6-10 and team making the playoffs? Like, give me a break. I don't want to hear any of that. What I do have a problem with is Doug Peterson's defense of the situation saying that Nate Sudfeld worked hard all year and he wanted to give him a shot. It's like, well, you know what? Then he should have started the game. Right. Like, I, I don't have a problem with resting players. Like, if you don't – 
if you don't value the rest of the season or you don't value the end of the season, like Tom, Tom Brady played last week. Matthew Stafford was hurt. He played last week. Like those guys are gamers. They're going out and play. A couple of years back when Peyton Manning was in the league, the Colts were notorious for resting their players when this, the season was wrapped up. That's fine. And most of the time they walked into the first or the second round and they got their head kicked in. And then he's like, okay, that's why you don't rest players. <laughs> but my whole thing is, is like, if you were trying to win the game, because it shows like they led the league in fourth down tries and they had the lowest conversion in the league. Okay. So, if you're trying to come up here and say, I wanted to give Sudfeld a chance, then why not make the change at halftime? Exactly. Why not make it? What did it matter? Why was it, the, why was it the fourth quarter at the end of the game when you really could have seen what Jalen Hurts had, that this is when you decided to pull this? And this should have been the, the talk all week was, hey, listen, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't go back and listen to his press conferences, but did he mention Nate Sudfeld all week? Like, hey, this guy's been working hard. I'm going to try to work him into the game somehow. Like, come on, man. So that's my only beef with you is, like, just be honest. Be a man. Don't be a pimp. Like, <laughs> say what you were going to do. And don't try to say, oh, well, I wanted him to play. He worked so hard. I wanted to give him a chance. No, that's, that's, you, could take that, you could take that somewhere else. It ain't no, gonna work this here. is not a charity. We, we, you know, no. you don't, re- you don't have to reward people for being a great practice squad quarterback, you know, and, yeah. you know, at, at the same time, he also, what, what was it? Nine players were placed on injured reserve or COVID the list before the week. I think it was nine total. So like Fletcher Cox, okay. you had like players of note. So right. you ran this shit up the flagpole, but even before you stepped on the field, so whether or not right. we, and, we can't right. we can't dispute whether or not these are legitimate injuries, especially the COVID one, we have to assume that that is accurate. But at the same time, it doesn't yeah. smell right. It doesn't smell good. And you know what? I'm not going to say that the Washington football team didn't earn it because that's disingenuous. You play who's on your yeah. schedule. You play who's on the field. Right. You know. You and they were playing yeah, hard. No, totally. They they tried to play to win. Alex Smith is just. You know, right. he's just not good right now, but um, he's hurt. He's yeah. hurt. He, you know, he's hurt. He's only got one yeah. leg, too. And the they other gave, thing is, like, earlier in the- every opportunity, they gave the Eagles every opportunity to to win that yeah. game. <laughs> they sure did. And then earlier in the year, like, if I don't if I recall correctly, like the Eagles in one situation played for a tie against the team instead of playing for yep. a win. So, like, dude, make up your mind. Like, what are you doing? And. And we're going to see how this boils over into next year. And we're going to see how this boils over into the offseason. Because I have a feeling this storyline's not done. And, you know, I think the worst part about it is, is the GM is probably linked into this too, right? Because whether he gave him this direction or he didn't, he, like, I don't buy that this was about draft picks. Like, I don't buy this is about picking at six instead of nine. Like, I don't buy that at all. Uh, I, I, and I also don't understand why they'd want to stick it to the Giants in any way. Like, what, what do you, what, what joy do you get out of that? You, you're both not making it. Like, who, who really cares? Like, just go out and compete. Like, I mean, did you really? Is, is this about Alex Smith? Like, you wanted to see Alex Smith like make the playoffs and make a run at it? Oh, I mean, okay. I've seen Brett Favre give away the stat, the sack record. Is, yeah. is that what it was about? I uh, that, I, that, that I could buy into more. Then uh, I wanted to see Nate Sudfeld. Like, come on. We've Nobody wants to see Nate Sudfeld. <laughs> Not even Nate Sudfeld's we, family wants, wants to see Nate Sudfeld. Right. We, 
we know we know what he is by now. So uh, that was just that was just oh, terrible. Exactly. But you know, I mean, and and the Philadelphia fan base is definitely not happy with the situation, and they shouldn't be. But one fan base that's extremely happy about their situation are the Cleveland Browns finally making the playoffs. I'll bet it. Most of the team has got the Rona. They're going to be missing their head coach, their Pro Bowl guard, and one of their receivers. But you know what? They're going to give it all they got in Pittsburgh this weekend. So what do you think about the Cleveland Browns and their chances against the Stullers this weekend? First and foremost, congratulations to the city of Cleveland and the Cleveland Browns. I know you guys have been waiting 18 years for this. 18 years. That being said, you missed three consecutive days of practice. You can't tell me that practice isn't going to help this team. Baker Mayfield trying to put a a smiley face on things. We're ready to go. We're prepared. Bullshit. You know? Anytime you need to practice, sorry, I get it. It's the same. It's very similar to when the Colts lost to the Jets after the Colts played, what was it? Curtis Painter, I think was the starting quarterback that time. And then the week <laughs> yes. after the, the Jets came in and blew their doors off when they were healthy, kicked them in so the I, head. So I can definitely yeah. see that happening. Um, but they also had a full week of practice and they also didn't have like Marvin Harrison talking shit this week in his infinite wisdom, Juju Smith Schuster, the dancing fool decided that he was going to poke the bear a little bit and put a little bulletin, uh, bulletin board material up. Uh, look, don't poke the don't bear. Do not poke the bear. Don't poke Absolutely the bear. Not. Here's the quote. I think they're still the same Browns teams I play every year. I think they're nameless gray faces. They have a good couple, a couple good players on their team, but at the end of the day, I don't know. The Browns is the Browns. Mm. Yeah. If it was anybody who actually did anything this year, like I would be upset by that if I were the Cleveland Browns, but Juju Smith Schuster has proven time and time again that he ain't shit without Antonio Brown. Yeah, or even Chase Claypool. He's a marginal receiver. He got lapped by a rookie. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I think Cleveland Cleveland's going to punch Pittsburgh in the mouth. I don't know if they're going to win, but they're definitely going to give them a game. Well, I think we could both agree that they would have benefited from a full week of practice oh, and their head coach. I didn't know this, but apparently when, when the coach is in protocol, he's not allowed to interact with the team either at all. So he's even working from home. He's, he's, he's out of the equation. So I think that that hurts. Um, this is the third time they're going to be facing each other. And th- I think that that's going to be tough yeah. too, you know, cause these are, these are divisional foes, you know, They've seen each other. They know. They know. They know each other. In fact, I believe they played each other just a week ago. Didn't they? Play they each did, other which like is why I'm getting last... that Colts Jets vibe. <laughs> yeah. So, um, unfortunately, I think you know, it's a Sunday night. It is a Sunday night game. Pittsburgh's going to come to play. This is likely Big Ben's last season. I can't imagine him going out to the Browns, especially when they're missing, you know, so they're, they're coaching their players. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's going to come to play. I think it would have been a better game, especially the Pittsburgh defense. Like, I think they're going to be chomping at the bit 
to really get back into this game after what happened last Absolutely. weekend. Absolutely. So, but you know what? So, I just got to say this mm-hmm. thing. 2020 was such a shit year. It deserves a shit champion. So, you know what? I am rooting for the Cleveland Browns to win it all. There you go. <laughs> Boom. Uh, but like you said, you know, Juju is running his mouth. Another guy who was running his mouth, and I don't think he knew people were going to hear him, was Chase Young of the Redskins or the Washington football team. After they took care of business against the terrible Eagles, he said, I'm coming for you, Brady. I want Brady as he's running off the field. We've seen this play out before for other players. Doesn't usually work out in their favor. So... Are you sure you want that kid? <laughs> so, what do you think? Do you remember Anthony Smith? I do. He was the first person I thought about. For the Steelers. You, again, you want to talk about poking the bear. Yeah, it, Don't poke the bear, man. Don't motivate no. this man. He's a bad no. man. Tom Brady <laughs> is like Michael Jordan in that the slightest right. little misconception the slightest perceived slight. It doesn't even have to be a slight. And he will rip your heart out, stomp on it, and make you watch. That is Tom Brady in a nutshell on the field. He's a competitor. He's ruthless in that regard. And Chase Young, you better show up, son. Cause make my that's millennium. It. That's <laughs> it. Because you know he heard this. And you know that Tom Brady just wants to stick his finger in your face and talk shit. Yeah, I mean, so here, here's my thing on this. You know, I'm a big Tom Brady fan. I've been since, you know, we were juniors in high school. But, you know, I, I just think of this, you know, 41, 42-year-old man, like, you know, getting up in the morning. His body's aching. He's old now. It's not the same. And him seeing this or hearing this from somebody and immediately – your heart starts beating, your mind starts racing, and now you are ready to go. Like, you are fueled. Like, this is bulletin board material. He doesn't need this to get him going for a game, but don't think this was, was not the, the nitro in the engine oh. on this one. And, and just like you talked about, it was 2007 with Anthony Smith. The guy guaranteed victory over an undefeated New England Patriots sure? team. And they... Torched How can him. You be so sure? <laughs> they torched him. Then it's like you said, it's, you know, he takes this stuff personal. And uh, I think a couple, I think a couple of weeks ago, Tony Dungy was on a pop- podcast somewhere and he had mentioned that, you know, Tom Brady was the sixth toughest quarterback he faced. Tom took wind of that, took a picture of the, the banner in the Colts football stadium where they were the 2014 runner-up because that was the year Tom went in there and beat their ass and went to the Super Bowl. So it's just things like that where, you know, I think it, I think it was Bill Parcell saying is like when you win, you know, you don't, don't say much. And when you lose, don't say much. And when you win, say uh-huh. even less. That That's just what you got to do in that situation. You gave, you gave him fire and I, I was originally picking the Redskins to win this game, but as you'll hear in my pick segment later on, I think Tampa's going to roll Well, the now. thing is this, is that the, the Tampa Bay offensive line is much maligned. It's not as bad as we think it yeah. is. But 
Chase Young is a dynamic pass rusher. So if he can get Brady off his spot, he definitely, you know, he will cause a little bit of difficulty in that offense. But good luck, kid. Good luck. The only thing I would, the only thing I would say is I, I, I feel, I feel less sure about it than I would if this was New England, because if this news New England. I know Belichick, McDaniels, and Brady are going to sit in the room and say, okay, this is how we're going to attack this. But in Tampa, I don't know the logistics of this. You got Byron Leftwich calling plays, Bruce Arians like a head coach, and they've looked god-awful certain weeks where they literally go three and out on four straight drives. So In New England, um, they were just deviling at at all games. Right, they just and and we've seen and we've seen New England neutralize really good defensive players. Like we've seen them neutralize Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl. We've seen them take out JJ Watt in games, whether it's double teaming, chipping, quick passes. It's the other thing. Like when he was in New England, they were quick passes. Now they're pushing the ball downfield, and and this is the number five ranked pass defense. So he's got a shot. But, you know, I wouldn't put my money on, on Mr. Young this no, weekend. He's going to be chasing um, the goat all over that field. Right, right, right. Uh, but, you know, switching gears a little bit, uh, there was definitely some, you know, some movement in people losing their jobs. Uh, GM positions became available. Head coaching positions became available. Uh, in your in your opinion, what's the best available job for the upcoming season? So just to recap, we have the Falcons, we have the Texans, the Jaguars, the Jets, the Lions, and I think I might be missing one. I feel like I'm missing one. But the Chargers. The Chargers. Yes, thank you. Anthony Lynn was put out of his misery. The best job in terms of ready-made team, in my opinion, is the Chargers. You have the rookie of the year, Justin Herbert. You have a pretty decent defense. You just need a couple of tweaks. You know, you need a healthy Derwin James. You need a healthy Joey Bosa, healthy Melvin Ingram. You have players on the offense. Like, that would be a turnkey operation. As far as intriguing position, though, and hear me out, because this is going to sound nuts. The Jets, they have draft capital, they have finances, they have a clean slate. So if Joe Douglas wants to make some moves, he can because he has the ability to do so. So that kind of flexibility definitely is intriguing to me. Two jobs that I want to stay away from until I figure out what's going on. I don't want to touch the Falcons job, and I'm sure sure as shit am not touching the Texans. Not with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Not with Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny you say the Chargers and the Jets because I actually thought the same thing for similar reasons. But I'll play devil's advocate in this situation and say that I do think the Falcons job is somewhat appealing, and here's why. I think they do have assets. They have cap room, not a lot, some cap room. And I think they can get good value for their players. And not to mention, I think they have the number three or the number four pick in the draft. Probably the number Number four four, pick in the draft. I think Miami's picking three. So they're picking number four. So you can get into the situation 
but you'd have to be able to talk to the GM and say, okay, well, how are we going to move these guys, right? Because we got to move Matt Ryan. We've got to potentially move Julio Jones because we have Calvin Ridley. We don't need Julio Jones, okay? And we've got to move Todd Gurley, I think, yeah, because this is – he signed a two-year deal, I think. So either either move him or cut him. And then we're going to build, and we're going to try to get the best player available in the draft, but we're, we want draft picks back for our players. So I think we talked about potentially moving Julio to the Ravens. I think another team that would be would like Julio is possibly the Chargers. I can see that. Possibly the Jets. Uh, you know, there are other teams that would be interested in an older Julio Jones. I could even, if Larry Fitzgerald retired, I could see him going to Atlanta. Deadly. Why not? Yeah. Right. So, and and you and you could also pair yourself up with teams that, or or how about we were also talking about the Sean Watson? They need they. Why not give them some some take take Deshaun Watson off their hands? Give them some draft picks. Like if if you could build a quarterback for the future. So I think I think there's possibilities in Atlanta. Um, but I think we both agree that the worst possible position is the Texans' position because th- they're just decimated. They're over they're over the cap. <laughs> they have no draft picks this year. And this this was the, this was a. This is a, a terrible situation. This is the poster child for the, why you do not make a coach a GM. The only thing I will do is I will defend O'Brien in this regard is that they finished the season pretty strong. I don't think they would have done much worse if O'Brien was there and they could have potentially did better, right? You would assume they could have done better. They had a really tough start out the gate. You know, they they were kind of given a death sentence in the first four or five games. Um, So for what he was trying to do, I think he was trying to get through this season, get into next season and then potentially compete. But it really just really just fell apart. It was a complete death spiral. And, you know, it was it, it just showed a lack of understanding of how to properly build a team, not just for the short term, but also for the long term. It it was very reminiscent of, if we're going to go cross sports here, when Billy King emptied the tank for the Nets to where they didn't have first-round picks for years, and Sean Marks had to come in and had to dismantle that team. Yeah, that was disaster. I'll take the Gerald Wallace contract, but you're giving me a first-round pick, too. (laughs) I'll take Gerald Wallace, but you're going to give me me that first-round pick. And the reason why the Nets are in the position that they are today is because they made those smart draft capital moves. And, I mean, good luck to the new GM. They just brought him in from New England. He, you know, he is from the front office, so he definitely understands the New England playbook. You have assets, you trade them for draft capital, and then you maneuver the draft capital to increase your draft capital. So... The only issue I see with hiring that man is is that I I would love to know what he did for the Patriots the last couple of years, right? Because we talked about it on the show before. They haven't really drafted well the last couple of years. So what is that? Because they, they tried to get him right. last year, and the I think the Patriots told him, you can't even talk to this guy right now because he's still with us. So – I'd love to know, like, what are they? What is he gonna really bring them, or what's he gonna do? What's he hanging his hat on? What's his plan? 
my guess is his plan is to trade Watt, to trade some of their other assets, and and work with Deshaun Watson in some way, shape, or form. One thing's for sure is all eyes are going to be on the national championship game, which is coming up next week. Surprisingly, we had this wrong. It's actually going to be Ohio State and Alabama. Uh, so, hey, man, who you got? Who you taking in this game? Well, we certainly both got surprised by Ohio State and the beatdown they put on Clemson. So take full responsibility for that. Did not see it coming. But this is what happens when you only get six games worth of sample size. You don't really know. Exactly. You don't exactly. know. And we don't know. Justin Fields got hurt. And they've been dealing with COVID. The, de- the deck yeah. is stacked against the Ohio State Buckeyes. But Alabama's not as good as it's been in recent past. I mean, Mac Jones is good. Right. You have Devontae Smith. You have Waddle, who's a game-time decision, but he's probably going to play. Offensively, they're good. I mean, they just lost Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, he's the head coach of Texas now. The Tom Herman got fired. So, like, I don't even know if he's going to coach. They might, have a, they might just have an interim coach instead. So that might throw things for a wrinkle. It's gonna be it's gonna be close. It's gonna be an entertaining game. I'm gonna take the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I mean, me too. Uh, I've been. I mean, we've been doubters of Ohio State uh, for weeks now. I just I don't really like how they got into the playoff. I don't really even appreciate them into getting into the championship game. In fact, I think if they win the championship, it'll kind of be tainted because mm-hmm. you only played six games. So you know, yeah, you won, but. I don't, know. I don't really I mean, know. I mean, it's uh, a very short week, and Fields is coming back from. I mean, it looked like busted ribs, or at least a cracked rib. So it doesn't really like. I mean, it doesn't look good for your offense. So Ryan Day needs to have something up his sleeve to kind of mitigate against that because he didn't. I mean, to have your starting quarterback clutching his ribs running off the field, it's never a good look. Well, I mean, what. Let's look – if we look at both teams, right, who's the best player on the field? It's the guy who just won the Heisman, Devontae Smith. He's, he's the best player. Led the league in receptions, receiving touchdowns, what have you. Who's a better coach? I'm saying yep. Nick Saban's the better coach, okay? Who's – now, the two things that we're kind of game time decision or game day we just don't know is we don't know about the health of Justin Fields, and we don't know if Waddle's going to play. I would think that if Waddle plays, that's going to be a big factor, bigger than uh, how Justin Fields heals up. Statistically, Matt Jones, I mean, the Davey O'Brien award winner, he was the second best quarterback statistically in the country. So Justin Fields wasn't even close to what Matt Jones was doing. Yeah. Sample size, six games, of course. But in terms of performance, Matt Jones definitely, you know, he deserved the award. And he definitely put up his numbers. Only Kyle Trask threw more touchdowns and had more yards. And you don't see the Gators anywhere. And Mac Jones. Now the Gators are awful. And Mac Jones has been in Alabama for a while. If I'm sure, if if my memory, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think is correct. He was, He's been there he for a was, couple of seasons. Tua Hurts and Jones was the third string. <laughs> right. So he knows the system. He's been. This is. This is. This is like the biggest moment for him, and I don't, I don't see him letting this slip out his fingers. So, I'm gonna say roll tide. And and then back to you know talking about the Heisman winner. Uh, we talked about this briefly yesterday. I mean, I was kind of surprised Devontae Smith 
one, not not because the talent's not there. He's super talented. He kind of reminds me of a Marvin Harrison. But I just thought that this was Trevor Lawrence's year. I mean, his record as a college football player and his statistics at Clemson, I just so surprised that the, the national championships and the great seasons he's had, he didn't walk away with a Heisman. So I was just very surprised to see that he won it. Uh, I wasn't sure what your take was Statistically, this year, Trevor Lawrence wasn't as impressive. Um, the issue with having a wide receiver as your Heisman Trophy winner is that it is a dependent position at the end of the day. So it's one of those things that, you know, how much of it, you know, because you have, at that point, you have to watch every game, break down every snap, and then you have to see how much of it was actually Mac Jones, because he was also up for the award, if I believe, if I remember correctly. How, how much of it was Mac yeah, Jones yeah, yeah. and how much of it was Devontae Smith? It's not like it's not like a running back where yeah. you get the rock and you're running. You know, it's a different, it's a totally different kind of mindset. So, I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, 1,600 yards, 20 touchdowns, average of 15 yards. I mean, 105 receptions. I mean, solid, very solid. But, you know, it's definitely it's, – it's a head-scratcher. It's definitely one that I'm fine with. But, you know, it always – a wide receiver always calls that in question. Well, I think I – th- well, I mean, what? He was the second or third wide receiver to ever win it, right? Something third, like that. Yeah. Second, yeah, something like that. So my whole thing is: is he is he better than Desmond Howard? Yeah, he probably is better than Desmond Howard. Is he better than Julio yeah. Jones? Mm, about that, is he is he better than is he better than Calvin Ridley? That's yeah. And he's from what I understand, he's a small guy. He's only like six feet, somewhere in there. I mean, he yeah. So I mean, uh, we'll and again, this is this was a weird year. Um, but it'd be int- the thing about you said about Trevor is like he didn't have that great of a season, and I wonder if going into the draft, if teams look at that, right? I feel like he diminished, right? He had a great college season, then uh, a really good college season, and then just a good college season. So I wonder if teams are going to look at that and be like, well, wait a minute, is this guy? you know, sliding down. And, and I wonder if Justin Fields play, you know, these last couple of weeks is making teams take a second look and a second, you know, take a second thought about this. Now we know today, or I think tomorrow, the Jaguars are bringing in Urban Meyer, you know, to interview for the head coaching position. I mean, this is an Ohio state quarterback. This is a guy who runs Urban Meyer system could that be more appealing than a Trevor Lawrence? Could Trevor Lawrence find himself dropping to the Jets or dropping to the Broncos? Like, could that possibly happen? And and I think I think it's a possibility. I mean, we've we've seen with uh, RG three, and we've seen with you know Andrew Luck. Like Andrew Luck was a sure a shoe in, right? This guy was going to be the future, next Joe Montana, next Elway. Like, and it just didn't turn out that way. Like he, he, he got too banged up and he's gone, like never to be seen again. He could have easily healed up for two or three years and came back. He's like, nah, man, screw that. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is that guy, but definitely no, makes definitely you think about take things. Consider- take that into consideration. You also need to, you know, take into account that he did have coronavirus this year. So, you know, 
physically, who knows if he actually was there, you know, because it, it definitely takes a while for you to get back to even close to normal. So I can't speak to his health. Mm-hmm. He was, I mean, he was on the field, you play, you do the best you can. But I mean, it, it might, you do have a bit of a regression from, yeah. It was yeah. He's just he's just he's just sliding. It's just like you if you if you look at the tape and you're kind of like, wait a minute, are teams just catching up to them? Like are teams just you know keying off of him and realizing like oh you know his his yeah. not like you said the numbers weren't there. So I just I'm just starting to wonder if teams are like hmm. But then again, is he doing this on purpose? Not-, not that he's doing it on purpose. If is is he just like all right like. I've just got to get through this season without getting hurt. Like I, I just got to get, I mean, you know, and, and, and is it, and is it the end of the world that I don't go number one? Yeah. Money wise, it'll, it, it holds, it holds true, but come on. Do you, does he really want to go to Jacksonville? Does he really want to go to New York? I mean, if he fell to it, if he fell to nine to a team like the Broncos who are not terrible, like they got, they got good receivers. They got pro bowl running backs Different, decent wide, de- decent offensive line. Could it, is he that may so not bad? Make it past six to Philly. I mean, it, it's possible. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Is like if you're if you're him, do you look at it and you're like, you know what, I I I just got to right. get through this season, Be- especially after the COVID yeah. thing happened, right? It's like, well, you know, this is like okay, at. I could have, I could have really jeopardized myself here. I don't know. It's, it's just something to think about. We've seen Um, quarterbacks who were, you know, projected very highly slide. So it wouldn't surprise me. Like he doesn't like my other thing is he has nothing to prove. Right. Everyone's already talking about how fucking great he is. Like Justin Fields has a lot to prove. Like my man probably broke or bruised his ribs really bad last weekend. And he went back into that game because he's like, yeah, I'm going to the national championship. I'm going to win this thing, you know? And Wilson so, is on the road um, too. Zach Wilson of, from uh, BYU. He's definitely, he's, he's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen him. Yeah. So I mean, he's not the only quarterback. He's not, I mean, certainly Trevor Lawrence you know, has not distinguished himself with his play this year, but his body of work definitely warrants, you know, consideration. But again, it depends on the team and what you can work out. If anything, it kind of takes the bloom off the rose of Dabo a little bit because, you know, you're you're not he's not as good as uh, as not as good of a motivator as not as good of a head coach as people let him on. I think it's just because of the charisma and the aw shucks kind of thing that he does, like his personality. But X's and O's wise and how he handles the media, like he leaves a lot to be desired. And Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville. The only thing that is good about that is that there's no NCAA violations. And, you know, if they, if they catch up <laughs> to him, he still has the ability to use his family and health to resign. So that's the one thing about Urban Meyer. I don't, I he want, likes, yeah, he no, likes I want he likes no part of Urban Meyer if I'm Jacksonville. I've seen it too many times. I've seen it in Utah, and I've seen it in Florida. And I've seen it in Ohio State. He's great at – He's great at recruiting felons. He's really good at that. He's really good at getting like really, really bad players. Uh, but you know, we've been talking about uh, you know the national championship is going to be this week, 
And, you know, there will not be a full stadium. I'm not even sure how many people are going to be allowed in the stands. And that's still the same thing that's going on throughout the leagues in all the cities. Uh, so leagues have to get more creative in how they're going to get more money. One of the things the NBA is contemplating is adding two more teams. That adds about $150 million to each owner if a new team comes into the league. And one of the things the NHL is doing is they've sold the naming rights to their divisions. The North will be Scotiabank. The Central will be Discover. The East will be Mass Mutual. And the West will be Honda. So just wondering your take on the NHL selling the naming rights to their divisions and Will we see more leagues adapt this format? It's not even the first time that it's been done. I mean, the 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 D League used to be the D League until they sold it to Gatorade, and now it's the G League. So that's not a professional organization. Like that's that's not the top. You know, that's it's not. That's but a we've minor still league seen it happen. System, so the precedent you know? has already been set. So I'm okay with it from that standpoint because. It, it's already been done and teams constantly it's the, the wave of the future you're going to see um you're going to see branding on your helmets you see branding on uniforms already in the nba so it's definitely you know naming rights it's definitely just a good way to infuse your organization with cash Without a lot of, without, I mean, what are you going to put? Graphics? Like, really, it's not that much. The only thing that really bugs me is what they chose, the names that they chose. I mean, Discover, yes, it's a a big time sponsor of the league. Uh, Mass Mutual, eh, eh, no. Scotiabank, I would have preferred Tim Hortons personally. I mean, if you're going to go Canada, go Canada. Sue's Rendezvous. Do the Molson Northern Division. Do something. And then Honda, I mean, the Honda Center in Anaheim, it's already a part of, you know, it's, it's already it's already in the league already. <laughs> and then I believe it's, they're, I mean, they're in a, a sponsor of the league. So it is what it is. Um, as far as other leagues doing it, I, I could definitely see it. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to advocate for it. You know, the American League East sponsored by Nathan's Hot Dogs. Like, I don't, I don't like the sound of that. But, you know, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do to get some cash in. And I think the NBA is probably, even though it's going gonna, it's gonna to wreck its product, the smartest thing to do would be to expand right now. Yeah, I mean, so when I first saw this, I really just thought it was a cheap move. Um you know, if the only thing I would say is I would have liked it better if they stuck with, like, right. one genre, right? Like, kind of like you said, like, let's make it all cars. Let's do Honda, Chevrolet, Subaru, or let's do it all. Let's do all banks. Let's do Scotiabank. Let's do Capital One. Or, you know, let's do all credit cards. Let's do Discover. Let's do Amex. Like, I would have liked it better that way. It The rumor is, is that these companies paid in the mid-seven-figure range for these this deal. So it's a it's a hefty it's a hefty amount of change, um, you know, the NBA did sell their jersey rights a few years back, and they're never it's never going to go back, right? Yeah. You've opened that spigot, you know, you've already opened that avenue of cash. So the problem I have with something as 
large as naming your divisions is you're, you're never going to go back. And, um, and I, I mean, you're, you're more of a hockey guy than I am. So I don't know if divisions mean a lot in hockey, but in baseball, divisions mean something in football divisions mean something basketball. I don't think divisions really mean much because at the end of the day, you're either coming out of the East or you're coming out of the West. Uh, I, I actually probably couldn't even name right. all the divisions in basketball, but um, yeah, I mean, going that, back to the NHL, I mean, they did have a rich history of naming their divisions, but you know, you had the Patrick, you had the Prince of Wales, you had the Campbell, but at the end of the day, like that system went the way of the Dodo once they started expanding just because you had so many divisions and it kind of, you know, you kind of lost a little bit of the NHL character. So it's, it's a part of, it's a part of the fabric of the old NHL. So it, it... I mean, I can honestly say that I, I hate that. I, I hate the fact that, there are advertisements on oh God, NBA yeah. jerseys. In fact, I'm more reluctant. I'm reluctant to buy an NBA jersey just because of that. Where in football, they only sold the rights to their practice jerseys. They haven't actually sold rights to their football jerseys. And granted, I, I like you said, like we talked about, it, it's, it is an avenue of revenue. But uh, I would hate to see the NFL open that up because it, I think it would it would taint the Jersey for me. Same thing with their helmets. They don't put anything on their helmets, but you know, you, you, you find other ways to make money. Um, like the NBA is going to be doing potentially you know, putting a team in Seattle and most definitely Vegas because it's going to attract free agents. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- I was, I didn't like it. And yeah, um, I'm still not, I'm yeah, not a fan of it either, it. but Pandora's box is open. So it's definitely the cat's out of the bag. You just got to do a better job of choosing sponsors is all. It's time for the mail route on the fade route. If you want to join us, email fade route mail at gmail.com questions, comments, picks, you name it. Fade route mail at gmail.com. All right, boys and girls, it is now time for the mail route. As you know, you can get on this show. All you got to do is slide in our DMs, Fade Route Podcast on IG, or hit us up at FadeRouteMail at gmail.com. Like our buddy Randolph from Brooklyn, who asks the following question. What's up, bros? The draft order is set in the NFL. So who's making moves? Good question. It's a fantastic question. So, What do you got on that? I think the Jaguars are set at number one. They're not going to go anywhere. Uh, They'll take Trevor Lawrence, and then they'll just ride off into the sunset. The Jets could make some moves just to get some more draft capital in there. But one team, one team definitely sticks out more than the rest for me, and that is the Miami Dolphins. They don't need this pick in terms of finding a franchise quarterback if they believe into a tongue of Iloa. But you could draft be- you could draft best player available, or you can dangle this this pick for some more draft capital, or even 
And we went over this in our production meeting. And this is what I would do if I was Chris Greer. I call the Houston Texans and I say, you get the number three pick, you get Tua, you get a second, <laughs> and you get a fifth. And you can sleep with my wife. And you know what? <laughs> if, if it'll change that fifth to a sixth, you can even sleep with my wife for Deshaun Watson. And I just took my team potentially, well, my poor wife. But this is why I'm single. I took my team and my wife to the next level. <laughs> this, just, this just made our relationship so much better. You just, don't you see? But you, that trade puts me on par with the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion. But I've also seen Watson linked to the Jets, and that makes absolutely no fucking sense because Watson is going to be in the same position in that you gotta, he's got nobody to throw the ball to. And if I'm the, the GM, if I'm the new GM of the Texans, I'm cleaning shop, you know, merciless. I'm trading the Cowboys, maybe for a fifth, maybe a fourth, if I can get it, you know, Watt, we're going to make it a family affair in Pittsburgh, baby. All of them are going to be in Pittsburgh. I'll take a sixth for JJ Watt. I have a, I have a unique opportunity right now. And I think the Miami Dolphins, if I'm the Houston Texans, give me the best opportunity to not only get a stopgap quarterback, who knows, Tua may turn out to be the real deal, but I can actually build more pieces around him and make the team more competitive. But to answer your question, Randolph, I see the Dolphins making big moves, doing big things. I, um, you know, I can, I can see, I saw a situation where they were saying, oh, the Texans should trade Watson to the 49ers um, and the 49ers would obviously take Jimmy G and, and some draft picks. That sounded pretty cool. And I think Kyle Shanahan would be all about that. Um, yeah. I agree with you on the Texans side. You know, they need to trade their stars. Watt, Watson, Tunsil. It, it just, it's, it's time, you know, to rebuild. Um, I think new England will trade back and they'll take a quarterback in like the third round. I don't see them making a big splash at 15 or 16. They love trading, you know, back to get picks. So I think that's what they're going to do there. We talked briefly a couple days ago about maybe they would be in the Watson sweepstakes, but I can't – they wouldn't want to fork over so much. You know, they they need help in a lot of different areas. I think the the Dolphins stick with Tua – I actually think, like you said, they're going to trade back. They don't need that pick, so they'll trade that pick back, um, especially if, if for some reason Justin Fields doesn't go too or Trevor Lawrence doesn't go. You could see a team pulling some kind of Chicago crap where they move up, like they moved up to get Trubisky to move up to get like Fields I or, think they'll ju- or even um, Honestly, Lawrence Honestly, I think that, that they situation. would jump Fields and get Wilson. Yeah. The only reason why I think they'll stick, the, the only reason if the Dolphins do stick with their pick would be to take a defensive player. If they saw like a linebacker or somebody that could be like a, a really good player on their defense, if they can stick with that. And um, like we talked about earlier, I can see the Falcons really starting over. They'll, they'll start to trade their assets and their draft picks too. Next email from Christine in Yorktown Heights. Have you guys seen the NFL wildcard simulcast on Nickelodeon? 
WTF. WTF indeed. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, well, I mean, they weren't able to do really play 60 this year, right? They weren't able to go overseas, and they were trying to pull in a new demographic, a new audience in uh, this crazy world we live in. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not so angry about it. I have a feeling you're more angry than I am. Um, one of the things that's cool about the game is Gabrielle Green's going to be the first female to work a CBS game in the booth in 15 years. Uh, that's kind of cool. Um, Burleson and Eagles is also is going to be on the call. Um, I, I guess I'm interested to see what they're going to do to explain the game. Because from what I understand, that's one of the things they're going to try to do is explain formations or explain things that are happening for children. Um, I just like if I was 12 years old or if I was 10 years old, just the fact that this is on Nickelodeon is not going to make me watch the game. I'm probably going to be pretty pissed off about it because, you know, it's in the, the way of my favorite <laughs> cartoon show. So I don't really think it's going to, I don't think it's really going to gain any more viewers, but I could appreciate something better than them yes. playing in Mexico. I mean, City. personally, if this, re- if this, um, interrupted my watching of salute your shorts or legend of the hidden temple i'd be very upset about that you know the shrine of the silver monkey that just that that need i need to watch that but i mean i understand what they're trying to do they're trying to appeal to a a market that doesn't necessarily watch football doesn't necessarily like football they're they're modifying their they're, they're modifying the production to where it is more kid friendly but at the end of the day, the kids who are watching this are probably not watching the NFL to begin with. So I don't know how much interest there will be to begin with. And it's the NBA jamification of football. And all, I mean, it's not for me. I get that. I stopped watching Nickelodeon a long, long time ago. But it, it's fine. I, I'm I'm mellowing out in my old age because I would have been I would have blown a blood vessel about this, but I mean, do what you got to do to try and grow the game because you know a lot of kids aren't playing it now, especially because of the parents. So if you can present it in such a way that the parents would be okay with possibly letting their kids play football, then that's a win. Last email coming from Caesar in Hell's Kitchen. What's up, Caesar? Caesar. Caesar. The Red Caesar. Sox hired Bianca Smith as a minor league coach, making her the first black woman to serve as a coach in baseball history. How cool is that? That's a, I mean, it's a ground, 2020, 2021 is a groundbreaking year. You had Kim Ang as well become the first female GM of a team. So, you know, I'm all for breaking down barriers and I'm just happy that we are now in a time where players are okay with this. Cause if you remember, you remember Carlos Tosca used to manage the blue Jays. They used to give him shit. because yes. He never made it to the majors. So he was, they gave him major shit, shit because he never played for the played the majors. He was a guy who never made it to the majors, and they gave him shit. So you're fighting an uphill battle if you are Miss Smith or Miss Ang, 
but kudos to you guys. You made it that far, and, uh, you know, now's the time to show what you can do. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's cool, um, and hope hope it works out well for her. It's definitely going to be, you know, an, an uphill battle. Um, but uh, you know, we're, we're it's, a, it's a new era, man. We're we're in a, we're in a new day and age, and this is the type of thing that's going to increase over the next for sure. I mean, uh, several. Years. I think this weekend, Wild Card Weekend, there are six female coaches and interns that are going to be on the field with these teams. So, you know, what a time to be alive, man. Like what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Time to see what's cooking this weekend. Sponsored by as you eat it only on YouTube. That's a Z you eat it. Check it out today. It is now time, boys and girls, for our pick segment. I've been picking at about 60, 62% all year, so a third of these are going to go right in the trash. So I'm just letting you know that to begin with. First up, Colts at Bills. Who are you I'm going to surprise you. I'm actually going to take the Colts. I just think that uh, they're one of the most overlooked teams over all, all year. And um, I think they're going to come in and surprise some people. Josh Allen hasn't done anything yet. So I think they are going to There is a modicum of pressure on the Bills. This is, t- this is their time to ascend. But it's not going to be as – it's not going to be as easy as we think it's going to be. I mean, it's definitely going to be a back and forth game. Both teams have good defenses. The Colts can run the ball, which is a good neutralizer this time of year. It all boils down to Phillip Rivers. And Phillip Rivers not making mistakes in crunch time like we've seen in years past. And the secondary of the Bills can make you do that. So I'm going to take the Bills. It's not going to be easy but they are going to earn their playoff stripes this weekend. Okay. Rams at Seahawks, round three. I'm taking <laughs> the Seahawks on this one. I'm I mean, taking – Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I had them in the Super too. Bowl, so I guess I got to gotta. And John Wolford, as of right now, he's the quarterback, right? Jared Goff, I don't know if he's going to play or not. Oh, she's yeah. He had thumb surgery. Um, uh, I think he's been limited at practice, but as of right now, it's looking like it's going to be Wolford. Enough said. Go Hawks. <laughs> Bucks at football team. Who you got? I mean, I alluded to this earlier. Um, up until Chase Young running his mouth, I probably was going to go with Washington. But you don't poke the bear. You don't poke the goat. So I'm, no. I'm taking You, you don't tug on Superman's cape, and you don't spit in the wind, and you don't poke the goat. You never poke a goat because he, he will kick you. And that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> but it's – you also don't eat. You also don't eat chili exactly. for lunch on a Wednesday. You don't do that. Or and you're also you also don't eat chili and then stand down wind and spit in that wind. But I don't know. I, I think it'll be more so than Tom Brady. I think it's going to be the Rojo show more than anything else. 
he's 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 had a fantastic Sunday year. slate. Game number one: Ravens at Titans. This man. Uh, this was, yeah, it was an easy one for me. I'm going with Baltimore. Um, Tennessee has not been able to stop anyone all year, and Baltimore is a better defense than Tennessee. Um, for me, it's that simple. And I think they played each other earlier this year, and Tennessee won. So that's probably leaving a salty taste in the Ravens. Lamar Jackson needs this game more so than anybody else on that field. Lamar Jackson needs to prove an exorcism. Like he no, needs the he money needs or he needs to win? He's got to exorcise the <laughs> demons. He needs to exorcise <laughs> the demons that he cannot win in the playoffs. It's going to be close just because Derrick Henry's on the other side of that field. But the Ravens have Justin Tucker, and they're going to win by a field goal. I just think the Ravens are a very dangerous team to play in the playoffs. Like, I don't – uh, you can out of all these teams that are in it this year, you don't you don't want to play this team. You don't. There's you can't you can't say on me otherwise. Uh, they're running for over 400 yards a game for crying out loud. Like, and it's not just because I'm a Ravens fan. It's just like this is the worst thing you could imagine because you have a quarterback on the other side that's so dynamic. Let's say they get a lead. And now you got to try to come back against that defense. And then you have to still try to figure out how to stop this man. It definitely, I mean, yeah. it's definitely problematic. And the Titans, their defense has just regressed and regressed and regressed. So good luck, Tennessee. You're going to need it. Bears at Saints. This doesn't seem like uh, this doesn't seem like a too much of a thought process. I'm just going to take the Saints. I mean, I'm taking the Saints, but out of all my picks, this is the one where I would not be surprised if the other team won. And that's just simply because the New Orleans Saints are not the New Orleans Saints of the last five years or the four years or three years. Like this team, you know, they've had trouble. They've had trouble, you know, with COVID. They've had trouble with injuries. Mike Thomas, I think, is going to play. I think Kamara is going to play, but... Does, does Brees, my- I mean, we, yeah. If it, if it, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now. This game went into oh. overtime when they played in Chicago. So clearly, Chicago could and could do something here. And this so, is the game that's we'll going to be on Nickelodeon, the simulcast with CBS and Nickelodeon. So maybe, maybe just maybe, we'll see Mitch Trubisky get slimed. Sponge, SpongeBob, SpongeBob Mitch, SpongeBob Will take SpongeBob oh, takes God. out Drew Brees. And last but not least, the Cleveland Browns against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier. I just I have a hard time believing that Cleveland's going to go into Pittsburgh, possibly Big Ben's last year, and just win this game. I know that they've been playing marginal lately, but uh, it's going to be cold. Pittsburgh's defense needs to show up. I'm taking Pittsburgh. This is going to surprise you. Not much surprise me these days, especially after this. I got five. (laughs) I got five words for you. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. I'm taking the Cleveland Browns to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and make a run in the playoffs this year. COVID be damned. The running game travels. And they will run on the Steelers. 
Well, that's our picks for the playoffs this week. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast starting next week on Wednesdays, Wednesday nights. We're trying to get ahead of the curve and try to compete with other uh, formats. You can catch our podcast on Anchor or other premium outlets such as Spotify. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.